Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey there, my friend, and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. So today I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is fear, because we all have it. Yes, even me. We all have fear. We're not going to get rid of fear, but fear will keep you in a state of self-sabotage and under successful, unless you learn how to manage it. Yes, I just made a board under successful, because you will always fail to live up to your potential if you don't learn how to manage fear. So I work with people who have a lot of fear and extreme self-doubt, which is basically the human population. And sometimes I work with people who have something known as imposter syndrome. But let's be clear, imposter syndrome is just one particular kind of fear. It's the fear that you are not measuring up to the title and salary and role that you have. But you can have this fear of not being good enough and fear that people are going to figure out you're not good enough, whether you're in a low-level job or high-level job. And what I love doing, I'll work with anybody, but what I love doing is finding people before they suffer all those years through all the strata of the hierarchy in corporations and then end up with imposter syndrome. So if you already have imposter syndrome and you're getting paid a lot of money and you want to stop this, uh, this self-torture, yes, I can help you with that. But if you're at the lower levels or the mid-levels of the hierarchy, you still need to manage your fear or you're going to be miserable on your way to the top. If, and if you happen to get to the top by faking it and faking confident, you're going to be even more miserable. All right, so that's what I want to say about imposter syndrome. Because here's the thing, people just assume that I only work on imposter syndrome. But no, what I work on is potential. And people who are not living up to their potential. And the reason is fear. And people often ask me, so Denise, did you get into this business because you had imposter syndrome? And I will tell them, no, I did not have imposter syndrome. But I did have a not enough story. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. But here's the reason I didn't have imposter syndrome. It was because of my beliefs. So check in with your beliefs. But my beliefs were, I have certain strengths, and I know they're valuable, and I'm capable of learning. One of my strengths is learning. I'm curious. I don't mind being new at something. I mean, I freaking got a degree in a foreign language, and I still don't speak that language fluently because I learned it in America. So I'm not an imposter, though. I have a degree in that thing. And if I wanted to get more fluent in it, I know what I would need to do. So I was practiced at being in new situations, but I knew what my strengths were, and I knew how valuable they were. For example, I have a brain that sees patterns very quickly. I can connect dots. I can solve problems. I can listen in a meeting and I'm connecting dots and I am seeing the big picture very quickly and I'm seeing the way to solve the problem. And I 
can communicate clearly. I have a lot of wit, a lot of passion, a lot of curiosity, and those are all amazing strengths. And guess what? For all the other stuff, I can surround myself with people who are specialists. And that's what I did. So I had a belief that I will learn as I go and I will figure out and grow as I go. And I had fun learning. And I got really good at hiring people who did have subject matter expertise and we could complement each other. So no, I was never afraid that I was in over my head and someone would figure it out. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And I was honest about it because of my genuine confidence and my vulnerability and willingness to admit what I didn't know. I had authentic confidence and it served me very well. But please do not mistake that confidence for the absence of fear. It's just I was afraid of different things than many people are afraid of. And most of these things people couldn't tell. They were just inside me. So for example, um, I will have family members or bosses or senior leaders say that I am fearless. Well, I never said I was fearless. I have a human brain. I have fears. But one leader, she even introduced me to her team by saying, this is Denise. I know we're in good hands. I've known her for years and she is fearless. Meanwhile, I'm looking around going, who's she talking about? So here are some things I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of conflict, particularly personal conflict. So I will um, people please in my personal life. I'm afraid of being controlled. So I might get a little overly agitated if I feel like I am being controlled. The worst case I ever had of this was, I don't know if you've ever been on, on a vacation, a tropical vacation, and you get talked into going into one of those uh, rooms where they try and sell you a timeshare. Well, I almost threw up in that meeting. <laughs> I said yes, because of all the perks that they give you and the free stuff that they give you, not knowing that I was going to be like, it felt like I was going to be chained, chained to a chair for two hours while they had a yellow pad out trying to figure out how to sell me and my husband uh, a timeshare. So that feeling of being controlled is something that creates terror and anger in me. Uh, I, I fear changes in my routine. For those of you who know the Enneagram, I am a nine on the Enneagram. So I like even more than other people, consistency. I like harmony. I like routine. What else? Oh, and then I'm afraid of the normal things that everybody's afraid of. I'm afraid of getting sick and I'm afraid of dying early. But here's the thing that scares me more than anything, or it used to. <laughs> and that is, I'm afraid of wasting time living the wrong life. And the thought of not living up to my potential, not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and not doing it to, uh, I won't say best, um, the best of my abilities, but not doing it on a large scale scares me. And I feel like I've had this existential fear from a very young age. For example, when people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I didn't have an answer. You know, most of the kids were saying, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor. I, I was just panicking because I had no clue. I mean, there was a time when I wanted to be on the cast of Saturday Night Live, but, you know, I figured that was a long shot. So 
that was the biggest, scariest fear that I had. And it did actually serve me. So I will tell you that the, the way that expressed itself was that I would uh, look at a book that somebody else had had written and think, I should have written that. Or I would look at somebody on stage and say, I should be doing that. Even though I was doing that, I thought I should be doing it on a bigger scale. And instead of being inspired by others, the fear made me go into panic and self-doubt. And I thought that I would never live up to my potential. And then I thought, well, if I'm never going to live up to my potential, why would I even try? So nearly every human I talk to has a not enough story. Mine was not about personally not being enough. It was about not being where I was supposed to be in my life and not contributing enough. So not being far enough along. So here are some things that benefited from that. Here are some things that benefited from that fear. Now, I didn't have to have the fear to do these things. I could have just noticed the fear and then done these things. But let me tell you some of the things that I did even though I was afraid. Because we're never going to get rid of fear. But what we have to do is take courageous action anyways. So uh, one of the things I did that some people thought was crazy and um, I was afraid of, but because it was just so deep in me, it was what I studied in school. So I loved learning and I really could not pick something that I wanted to really learn. So I was passionate about languages. I was passionate about living in a global world. Uh, I lived in a small town in Kansas and I just really wanted to, you know, we had three, it was the seventies. We had like three stations on TV. My world felt very small. So I wanted to study foreign languages um, and just broaden my horizons. So I studied French and I decided eventually to major in French. And then when I got a master's degree, instead of getting something smart, you know, smart air quotes, typical, like an MBA, because now I was working in the corporate world, I got an MLA, a master's in liberal arts. Because when I sat down and started to fill out the paperwork, and at one time, one point I also wanted to be a lawyer, because I thought, well, lawyer is a good paying job, and I have the skills for it. I have that dot connecting brain, I have the ability to communicate, um, it's kind of a no brainer, I should be a lawyer. But when I sat down to do it, I wanted to barf. I wanted to throw up thinking about applying for law school, even though I was acing all the practice LSAT tests. So I did the scary thing instead, and I went for a degree in liberal arts at Stanford. Now, nobody had even heard of this degree, and I'm telling you, it was my happy place. I'm studying with some of the best professors in the world, and I'm new in every single class. The way they structured it is that you're going to be a novice in nearly every class, and that you're going to be taught by maybe a Pulitzer Prize winner or a Nobel winner or a teacher of the year. Um, so the people around me, many of them suffered from panic and imposter syndrome. Me, I was like a kid in a candy store because I got to learn and that's what I wanted to do. And I got to learn with geniuses, yay, <laughs> who were passionate about what they did. Okay, 
So I did that, which was kind of crazy. Um, other things I did while I was terrified. I, um, so I was legally blind. Uh, I can't remember the exact measurements, but I had um, severe nearsightedness, Coke bottle glasses, astigmatism, couldn't wear contacts, and I finally decided to get LASIK surgery. And this was pretty much in the beginning of LASIK surgery, but there was a guy in the Bay Area, California, who was a master. He had done so many. I mean, some people were getting this done, uh, getting RK surgery done by their ophthalmologist, and it was going really bad. And this was my first lesson in learning, go to a specialist. So I went to the guy who owns the buildings, who teaches the other people, who drives the Lamborghini and whatever other car, because he's so good at what he did. And I was terrified. Uh, again, I almost barfed. I literally had to leave work the day before because I had an upset stomach. It was so full of acid from my stress. And I was do doing it on both eyes at the same time because that's what he recommended and he had a good reason to recommend that. And I mean, if you're not familiar with the surgery, you are awake the whole time. They cut a flap with a laser on your eye and then underneath that flap, they resurface the eye. And then they put the flap back and then they send you home about 10 minutes later. Uh, if that doesn't sound like a living hell, I don't know what does, but I did that. And, and the next 24 hours were really bad. Um, I thought I would be tough and not take the pain medication. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just listen to your doctor. So we got the pain medication eventually. I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning with 2015 vision. That was almost, I mean, ugh, over 25 years ago. And I still don't wear glasses, except for my blue blockers. So terrified, did it anyways. But here's the key. I did it with somebody proven to be excellent. So you have to have a smart strategy. I'm not going to tell you to jump off a building without a really good plan. So have a strategy, have a partner who can help you. What else did I do? Oh, another thing that was terrifying. So even though I had been a corporate trainer inside big companies, I decided to become a coach. Now for me, these things felt very, very different from each other. One, you're standing up and talking with people and inspiring them and they go home and they give you great ratings and all that. The other, you're responsible for helping this person change. It's not just about helping them learn something. It's about helping them change. And for me, that was a huge responsibility and I didn't yet know how to do it. I just wanted to do it. So that was scary. I didn't yet see myself that way. And it was also scary because my husband thought coaching was a dumb vocation. So I also didn't have the support in my home. And again, I don't like conflict. So it was terrifying. But my soul told me I could just feel that this was the next thing I had to do. And again, I didn't just do it blindly. I did some research and I found a great school that would work out for me. And in a year, I now had not only the credentials, but I had the confidence and the strategy I needed to be a great coach. So the next thing I did that was absolutely terrifying, but I did it anyways, was quit my cushy corporate job. 
did I mention that I like stability? And oh, by the way, it was 2008, just as the dot-com bubble was bursting and the bottom was falling out of the mortgage, uh, subprime mortgage. And anyways, it was probably not the smartest time to do it, but I just had my daughter and it was the exact right time to do it. Now, we don't know when the right time is. We only know in hindsight. It's much easier to connect the dots when the dots are behind you. So I didn't know what was going to happen, but I did it anyways. The next thing I did in my life that I was terrified, this might be the biggest one. I and my partner decided to get a divorce. Now, up until that point, I had had a belief that once you get married, once you say the vows, there's no going back. And so based on that belief, I was doing everything I could to make things work. But guess what? It takes two people, right? But I was in den denial about that. Back to my whole uh, liking stability, not liking conflict. And oh, by the way, also my Enneagram type, nine subtype uh, SP, also is going to be the last person to ever leave a relationship that's not working. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just part of my personality. So I was going to commit to working on it forever, even though it was like watering a dead plant. At some point, you just got to admit things aren't working. So did that. And once I made the decision, once we made the decision together, it was like, somebody lit a rocket under me. Once you make the decision in anything, now the universe conspires to help you. And I was able to make things happen very quickly in terms of selling the house, getting new places for us to live, um, helping my daughter through this transition. And I mean, now, I mean, looking back, it was one of the best things I ever did. But at the time, I can't even tell you how terrifying it was. And then the next phase of terror was online dating. I mean, I waited two years before I ever even went on a date after my divorce. And of course, at the time, everybody was doing online dating, but I had a belief. Well, no one will want me. I'm in my 40s, which is such a stupid belief, but I had that belief. So I did the thing, even though I was terrified. And it worked out beautifully. If you go back to one of my early episodes, you'll think you'll um, hear all the things I learned about that, all the beliefs I changed about that I had, all the deep-seated beliefs, just from that one decision to try online dating. And now, all of these things that have happened to me make me a better coach to the people who come to me, because so many people are going through all of these things, and it's amazing how I have experience in, and we didn't even talk about all the health challenges in this one, because... Um, they don't really fit the whole fear category, but I've been through a lot of things and I'm able to now help people because I have all these dots in my past that people are encountering now, whether it's a health challenge or a relationship challenge or a work challenge or a big decision that they have to make. Uh, the next thing I did that was scary was when I had been working on a book for two years and I was stuck. Uh, no one ever told me that there's an actual system you need to follow to write a book. And that's because most people don't even know there's a system to write a book. And 
So I had a lot of pages, like thousands of pages, but I did not have a book. It was a mess. And it, this has been two years and I'm thinking this isn't going to happen. But back to my core belief, the belief, the core fear, the fear that scares me the most, not living up to my potential, the thought of not publishing a great book scared me more than anything else. So I picked up the phone. I called a friend who I knew had just published a book and was a former executive that I used to coach. I said, how on earth did you do it? She goes, oh, well, I didn't do it on my own. I hired a woman who gave me a system and I did what she, she said. Nine weeks later, I had a book. I'm like, okay, uh, who's that? And I talked to this woman and yeah, it was only going to cost me $10,000 for the privilege of using her system. And again, I almost threw up because yeah, I mean, it's a book, you know, it's not like you have to do it. It's not like it's going to be life saving or anything. But for me, it was so important that I have this milestone done and done well, that I did it, maxed out my credit card. And my friend was right, there is a system, I would have never dreamed of it in my whole life, just like there's a system for everything. There is a system for heart surgery, there is a system for uh, writing a book, there's a system for changing self-doubt into true confidence that you're not going to figure out on your own. So the book was done. And then I did the next scary thing, which was, I know the book's not going to go anywhere unless you have important people saying it's a good book. So I reached out to um, all of my favorite famous people and they, most of them didn't even know me. And that scared me to death, but I did it anyways. So, bottom line is, like Brene Brown says, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot have both. And what I will say is, you can feel the fear and then do the thing anyways, and now be powered by courage and hope and excitement, or you can feel the fear and not do the thing with courage and continue to feel the fear, only watch it grow and expand and overtake who you are. Unfortunately, I believe that most people choose the second option. I believe that only a very, very small percentage of people in the world have overcome the fear of fear. And they feel that the fear is them and so they try to numb the fear with coping mechanisms like perfectionism, procrastination, uh, drinking too much alcohol, eating too much food, sometimes even exercise, addictive to exercise. They're trying to numb the fear instead of just moving through it. Instead of just saying, okay, so this is my normal brain telling me that change is happening, that something scary is happening. So what do I want? And what's my strategy for getting it? And then taking a baby step. Taking a baby step on the path to getting what you want. And then the fear gets replaced by momentum and excitement. So think about what are the things that put you into a state of fear? I told you some of mine, conflict, change, fear of getting sick, scarcity, all of these things could cause me to contract, but I'm onto them. I know 
that they just happen to be my personality programming. And the percentage of time that I spend in fear now is one tiny speck of a fraction of what I used to spend in. And the reason is I have replaced fear as a habitual feeling with faith. I know, I know that things are going to work out for me because I have clarity of what I want. I have courage to make decisions. I know that I can't do these things alone and I have to get help and I have to ask questions. And sometimes I have to hire people and I'm resourceful. So I have the courage and then I take the action. And if something doesn't work out, it's not because I'm not enough. It's because I need a different strategy or I need more help. So this is what I want for you. I want fear to be what it's supposed to be. The thing that just alerts you that there might be some danger. That operating system in your head that's trying to keep you small and safe. I want you to be in control of it instead of it being control, control of you. And when you do that, your soul can actually be heard. You can feel what needs to be done. And then the fear is just like a little flick on, you can just flick that flea right off and take action anyways. So find the thing that is more important to you than the status quo. Find the thing that will give you the courage to take action, even though you're afraid. For me, the thing I fear more than conflict or scarcity, the thing I fear the most is not living up to my potential. And so turns out I now have a system to help not only myself, but other people live up to their potential. So I've come full circle and I'm living the life I know I was meant to be. And I can't even tell you how good that feeling is. So I have chosen courage over comfort and it has made my life more comfortable. It has made my life blissful. And if I had known when I was a little girl to have faith and to know that as Shakespeare said, our doubts are traitors, our doubts are traitors that make us lose the good we oft might gain by fearing to attempt. We're all going to have doubts, but when you let those doubts win and you don't even try to change, then we become our own traitors to our potential. So this is my invitation to you. And if you are a talented female professional and you're either suffering from imposter syndrome because you already have the big job and you're afraid you're not living up to it and somebody's going to catch you out, or you're living too small and you are not where you need to be because of your doubts and because of your fear. So whatever the story is, if you have an I'm not good enough story or I'm not far enough story and you are coachable, then we should chat because in less than an hour, 
we're going to understand the problem and I'm going to give you total clarity about your next steps. Sometimes, less than half of the time, I will find out that the problem you have is the one that I solve and that you meet the four criterion for getting 100% success with me. If you don't meet those criterion, I will be honest with you because I don't want to, I don't want to invite anybody in to work with me who I know isn't going to get the, get the results that I want. So if you don't meet those four criterion, I have an amazing network all around the globe of people who are helping in nearly any kind of problem you can imagine. So it's a win-win and we're going to have fun and it'll be the most fun you've ever had talking about something that is so crappy like self-doubt because you're going to start to see that it's not the real you. The self-doubt is not the you. The self-doubt is just a condition that you're having because of the fear and because of your brain's programming. So if you're ready to get rid of it and overcome it, then book a call. Uh, the call link will be in the show notes, but it's go.oncehub.com slash power your success. That's go.oncehub.com slash power your success. You'll fill out a very short application that will help us um, get off to an incredible start and have a really productive call and, um, and we'll have fun. So I don't have a lot of spots. These are very popular. So please reach out if you are a talented female professional who wants to end self-sabotage and become the most powerful, joyful, blissed out self you can be. All right, my friend, thank you for listening. And I look forward to hearing how you're conquering your fears. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.